Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It's Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason, Las Vegas edition. Today I'm with a very special guest. I have the one, the only, the also famous, Miss <laughs> Melanie Morden with me. Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. What's up? What's How up? You <laughs> How you doing? Thanks for jumping in the car and coming for a drive with me. Yes. We're going to have fun. This is so good doing it in person versus doing it over Zoom. I know. I feel like we've done a bunch of those, right? Yeah. It's it's a totally like surreal experience, actually. It's cool. It's it is cool. Really cool. It is. Well, hey, we're going to kick off this podcast with a little origin story. So for everyone okay. out there watching and listening and don't know your background and who you are, let's okay. start there. How did, did Melanie get started in this crazy world we call the automotive industry? So it happened on accident, like many of us who happened to fall into the car business. I started in 2009 and I've worked in you know different atmospheres, whether it's doing business development, working for different tech companies. Um, I also worked in retail. And then most recently, I started my own consulting business, Melanie Borden LLC. And so I've been in the business since 2009. And I tried to leave and it just pulled me back in. That's what happens. You try to get out, and it's going to suck you back in. It just what it gets under your blood, and that's just the way it is. Absolutely. So we're at NADA 2022, which awesome. is crazy. Which is crazy. It's 20. Do the last two years not count, though? I don't even know if the last two, the last two years don't count for me. Okay, I don't think so like, because I, I was so. like, all right, I I feel like I lost two years, so I 100%. should like rewind, and I'm actually two years younger. Yeah. We're, well, no, we're like excited. We're excited to be back here, yeah. right? Like, me and Austin were just talking about it. Last time Austin was out of the country was when we were when How we was were that here. experience flying in? It was great. Yeah. It was fine. It was easy. Like, I think it's yeah. some people make a much bigger deal of it. Than I think is it surreal is. for you guys? Because in Canada, they haven't changed any of the restrictions yet. Uh, okay. It's happening very, very soon. So okay. I think the mask mandate goes away next week, guys. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's great. I'm sure you guys are happy about it. Oh, that. we're we're very excited. But it's but it's just so cool this to be really out here traveling again, seeing people, sometimes seeing people for the first time because the last couple of years I've just been networking, networking, networking online, you know. It's but so true. but this conference, this is cool. There are so is. many new players that it's I've never met. Overload. Oh my god, totally sensory overload. How many football fields do you think that probably is? Four? At least. Five? I don't know. I got a lot of steps in. I would say there's probably four or five football fields of vendors. Yeah. There's and a ton. There's just so much. But even the at. manufacturer spaces, they're mm -hmm. like 6,000, 8,000 square foot. I mean, they're, the spaces are, I mean, it's just massive. It is. It is very, very It's massive. like NADA is a little bit like Disney in the sense where when you yes. go to Disney for the first time, it's like, oh, my God, there's so much here. And you can literally spend an entire day in a specific area. And I feel like NADA is the same thing. 100%. You totally can. You can get yeah. lost just like in just going down one aisle Absolutely. and not even get to the other 50. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely cool seeing so many people that, like you mentioned, like you're meeting for the first time in person, but you see them and you recognize them from social. So it's like you already know them. But then you meet them in person and yeah. it's, it's I, I feel like experience. there's there's a good group of I feel like like maybe like 50 or 60 people that have just really networked a lot over yeah. the last 24 months and this is uh, well for a lot a lot of cases this is the first time we're actually seeing each other in person yeah but it doesn't feel that way so it's no really, it doesn't cool. it really is it's what I love the most about it is everyone that's there is so passionate about the auto industry yeah 
And I think that says so much about the industry. I think it says a lot about the people who are supporting dealers in the industry, all the vendors and suppliers, and everyone has the same goal, which is to help dealerships sell more cars. And I love the energy that everyone has in the conference. It's just, it's electrifying the way that people feel and everyone's just so happy to be here and to be together. Yes, it is. It's nice to be together. So you've been walking around, checking out some of the new stuff. Um, any new tech or new systems or new solutions that you've, that you've seen? I have to tell you, I, I saw this company called Matador. <laughs> yeah, that company. And I really, really <laughs> like what they're doing. And they're very innovative. And they're bringing some new technology to the industry that we just haven't really seen before. Yep. Um, I will tell you that there's, for myself, I've been, so, I've, I came to the conference with a goal in mind and my goal was really retention for the clients that I have. Yes. And I will say that there ha- for myself, there's so many people who I, who I know through social yep. and who've been talking to me. And I will say that I haven't spent as much time researching, you know, the new tech that's available and just well, really talking with people who I just have never met. Well, I think it's cool that you bring up Matter because I think Matter kind of introduces um, a new vertical kind of in, I think, this vendor space. And we're seeing a lot of people kind of fall into this space. It, and I call it almost like operational technology. Right. Okay. So yeah, it, it's, it's, really cool it, it's not tech that kind of just sits on top of processes, but it's tech that actually brings a set of processes mm-hmm. to, to the table. You know, um, and that's hasn't really been the case for a very long time, right? Mm -hmm. Most of all the systems out there or solutions out there are designed to support a process that you've either developed into your business, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, here comes some of this new technology and I'm seeing the CRM companies do it, I'm seeing website companies do it, and they're just like, okay, we want to be more of a part of the operations, not just a shield on top supporting it. No, we want to be in bed, in depth, in the operations, and bring trackable operational value, you know, to a dealership's bottom line. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I think that's cool. I, I get really excited. About it I just like, really like a, the whole huge. AI feature behind it. And yeah. I just, it's very scary, but it's exciting at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if anything, what it does is it, it just, it, it, it elevates the dealership's uh, ability to do more. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, that's what it is. Andy. And you know what, Sony, yeah. there are more AI companies at the conference now than I've seen ever, ever. you know, I mean, there are more companies out there that just have the word AI um, in it. And Mm -hmm. someone was asking me today, actually, we were eating lunch and they were discussing the difference between machine learning and AI. And of course I was like, "Uh, do you mind if I jump in this conversation? (laughs) They're like, sure. Who are you? And they look at my tag. Oh yeah, absolutely. Why don't you jump in this conversation? (laughs) Um, And I think dealers aren't quite sure yet. I actually don't like using the word AI, I gotta be honest with you. I think it's overused for sure. It is, and I think was prematurely used in the industry. Right. Right, I think there was a lot of companies out there that were using it, you know, five or six or seven years ago, and it was at best machine learning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we really haven't, I think we're getting now to a world of AI, but I think what it is is once people think of of AI, I think of it really as more of just bringing these virtual, like, workforce, right? Mm-hmm. These these new bodies that can Absolutely. come into the dealership, you know? In a dealer in the dealership world, there are so many redundant processes that are just done, like, all the time. And it's right. just like, you know, can I automate that? Can I get some type of tech to support doing that? How many hours can I extract from that and, and reinvest those hours into 
other processes. Right. And I think so many people in dealerships are also like handling multiple responsibilities and roles mm -hmm. and things are overlooked and things are missed. That's a really good point. And, and the technology that Matador has really helps with filling those gaps. Well, it allows you to become the master of what you need to be the master of, not the jack of all trades. I was telling someone earlier today, um, I had this uh, manager I worked for, it was a mentor of mine, but he loved calling people jacks. Jack. And he was like, I just have so many jacks around. I need, I need masters. Sorry. <laughs> I know in Las Vegas, it's pretty easy to go squirrel. Oh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. There are so many people here. I mean, I think it's great. But it, it's nice to see people just like being people, like we're all humans and we're acting like humans again. Yes, you do get a lot of that here, for sure. <laughs> now talk about just people and Hi. socializing. <laughs> no, I think that's, look, look you, you went scroll, I go scroll Sorry. sometimes. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about people socializing again. And I think there are a lot of things that we've learned about or maybe evolve the way that we socialize online, especially around purchasing things and selling things over that's happened in the last 24 months that I'm hoping that's gonna to continue to stick. Look, there's a lot of things I'm excited about just going back to normal. Right. You know, like I'm excited for my kids not having to wear masks. Oh, my kids, they just um, <laughs> stopped the mask mandate where I live last week. See, like I'm excited for those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, my right? kids were like, Mommy, I've never seen my friends' faces at school. Yeah, can you imagine? For like two years. For two years. And my kids don't. They're so young. And your kids are young, too. Like, they don't remember what it was like before COVID. 100%. They only know masks. 100%. So I, there are definitely a lot of things that I'm excited about just getting back to normal. Yeah. But then there are some things that I would really like to see stick and stay. I agree with you. You know? And yeah. I think the way that we have approached social media... Um, there are many dealerships out there that really have embraced the social aspect of it, Definitely. not just the media yeah. aspect of it. And that's come through, you know, social selling over the last couple of years. But I'd love to kind of get your take on how social selling has evolved over the last couple of years. I think that everyone being home, and I know in retail, it was different, right? Mm -hmm. Because re people who are working in a dealership, they weren't necessarily working out of their house. However... I think that what we've experienced is most of the world outside of retail was home. Mm -hmm. And when you're home, you have more access to your phone and people who wouldn't necessarily be on their phones, all of a sudden were on their phones all the time. And I think that's why part of why LinkedIn, for example, had such massive growth in such a short period of time and how the platform evolved because all these people were normally in their office having conversations and socializing yes. and they transfer that to online. And, and they're doing that as they're shopping for cars. Yes. So their, their expectations and the way that they're purchasing has changed. In a big way. In a huge way. And that's why you have all these big disruptors that are coming into the market that are pretty much entirely virtual and they offer a seamless experience mm -hmm. from their app to the time the car comes to someone's home. Now, it's not always the most ideal situation, but they're able to adhere to what someone wants. Yes. Well, we've let the customer kind of take uh, take control, yeah. right? We've kind of let them kind of you know decide right. how we can, how how as dealers we're going to sell to them. Right. You know, like I I just bought two pickups and I bought both of them completely via text message. Yeah, that's the yeah. way to do it. That's when I got my car. I mean, look, I got my car through the dealer group that I was working for, mm -hmm. but 
I did everything over the phone with them and they brought the car to my house and they took my trade. And it was, it was so easy. I was like, it was like they did the delivery, like, well, in between a conference call. There you go. <laughs> so it just being able to adapt and, and be flexible mm-hmm. and have these changes. And I think with social, with dealers, I think that there's a big fear from the management perspective is that if their team is going to put themselves out there on social, that it could potentially have a negative impact on the store where that person might leave. They might go work for someone else. Yep. And they don't want them to have a voice, which I understand both sides of it, but ultimately it will help the store with bringing in more revenue. It will help create more awareness. Oh, in a huge way, 100%. But, you know, I I think, I guess my concern is that we lose that, right? Like we've kind of, exactly, you know? So like, how do we maintain, I guess, that mindset? I think supporting the sales team or whatever customer facing team, if it's a service Mm -hmm. team and being able to have conversations with them and supporting them and encouraging it versus avoiding it and allowing it to happen in a way where it's not a cohesive experience for everyone in the store. And I think that's the area where dealerships are not, they're not thriving. It's that fear, but you have to embrace it. It's it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And why not have it aligned with, you know, the goals that you have for, you know, align it with the goals that you have for the month, align it with the goals that you have for the quarter, align it with your inventory slash allocation that you know is coming. Like, why wouldn't someone do that? Why wouldn't they have it aligned with their marketing strategy? But it's just, it's just being proactive. Yeah. You know? And the consistency is really the area where... I think that a lot of people expect we're going to go out and sell, sell, sell on social. And what they do is they are very excited. Yes. They're gung ho for one month and then they stop because they don't feel like they've experienced the uh, results of social media in yeah, terms I of that. customers. I, I've been out for 30 days. Why am I not uh, selling right. 35 it's a long more game. cars than, than I was That's before. what we were talking about earlier. It's a long game and it takes mm-hmm. time. And it takes patience and it's in in the sales world it's not an air you can be hunting <laughs> it turns into that eventually but it's really for farming and it's really for building your yourself and building your business and creating awareness for your brand well it, the 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 first goal should be intentional connection yeah. not 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 to sell but to connect all right I think right. you. I think you earn the opportunity to sell. Lines. Yes, you earn the opportunity to sell once you've right. actually connected. Being in the right place at the right time with the right message to the right person who wants to buy a car right now, and it's just the follow through, and that's the area that I think could be improved upon with many dealerships. Is they just don't know where to start. They don't know how to. Yeah. They don't know how to follow through. They don't know how to be consistent. They don't know how to create content. They don't know how to create a plan. It's just, it's yep. not something that the industry does well because it, there's just, there, n- there's not enough knowledge about it. And that's why. Well, what would be some of the first steps? I think some of the first steps is really to, to set a goal. Like from an individual standpoint, if I was working with a dealership team or a company team, I would say, you know, what is the ultimate goal? Is it to increase company revenue, mm-hmm. right? And then you can peel it back a step further from an individual perspective, you know, 
and I'm just throwing something out there. Like my goal was to create a name for myself in the auto industry. And I wanted everyone to know that I worked in retail and that I worked in marketing and that I love what I do and I was passionate because I wanted to create a digital footprint for myself, which I didn't have pre 2020. So solidifying a goal for yourself and for the business is really important because then you can have accountability and you can look back at you know your plan over the last you know 30 60 90 days and say are the steps that I'm taking getting me closer to my goal um, I would say step two for a dealership is to go through your CRM and to look at your customers that have been you know any prospects that you have from the last 30 60 90 days you have customers with lease renewals and start connecting with them on LinkedIn and I think that's an area that's really untapped that people don't realize anyone who is in any sort of role, any business, in any industry, or even if they don't have a job and they're looking for one, they're on LinkedIn. So all of our customers, and it's not just specifically to Highline, you have customers that are in every single range that are on LinkedIn. Yeah, no, no, 100%. We're, we spend a lot of time waiting for the customers to come see us. Right. We're not spending a whole lot of time seeking out the customers. And and I love the fact that you, you bring up kind of like leads that are coming in. You know, I was, I was talking to someone earlier, you know, so many of these leads that are coming in are on sold units, right? right? So uh, the conversation is actually about 15 seconds long. All right. Uh, thanks for your inquiry. The car's sold. Done. That's it. But we're just missing a monster opportunity to actually connect with someone. Right. And value comes through. Like, it takes time. It does. And but, but it's a, that's what, okay, maybe that's the problem. The problem yeah. is to take time. Yeah. And the thing, <laughs> I also think that there's a lot of people that are in sales, in car sales, that don't look at their position as something long-term. No. And they it's like, how am I going to, if they're not buying a car right now, do I really give a crap at all? Right. And so I... I believe that if you can look at social media as a long game and you're not looking at it just this month and not just this quarter, but if you're looking at it as, you know, the full year view mm -hmm. and just know that it takes time and that it's not even with any an advertising campaign, it's the same thing. You're not going to run an ad, right? You're not going to do a TV commercial and then expect that you're going to have a huge wave of showroom traffic come in just from one TV commercial. It's not going to so it, social, when it's aligned with everything else that you're doing in the store, it's, it works really well. And it helps create connections and emotional connections. And that's why from an individual perspective, people buy from people. They exactly. buy from people they like. So if you have someone on your sales floor, you should embrace them putting themselves out there because if someone likes their salesperson, they will buy from them. Well, of course. I mean, and it, it's funny we're saying that, and it's making it like, oh, it's just so simple. That's all. Right. That's all it particularly well, takes. Yeah. But but there's there is some truth to right. that, right? Like, why, you know, why why is it the only time I get to experience how amazing your staff is is once I've actually done a transaction with you? Right. You know, uh, like I'm, I've been on your website. I get it. You're a Honda dealership. Right. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> the name on the building says Honda. Right. All right. <laughs> the name in your logo says Honda. Right. But you're not telling me who you are as a business. Right, exactly. And it's funny because a lot of dealerships, they don't, and businesses in general, they don't talk about what they're involved with with regard to philanthropic efforts. They don't talk about what they're doing in the community. They don't talk about their people. And I'm loving all these videos that I'm seeing on TikTok. Mm -hmm. There's so many, I mean, some of these videos are hilarious. <laughs> and is, is a TikTok video going to sell you a car? 
it probably won't just from watching a viral video, but it's giving someone insight and it adds to the overall experience of going into a dealership because you're creating that emotional connection with someone. Well, exactly. And, and that's the biggest opportunity, right? Yeah. We call this a people business. Right. We really do. Okay, we're in the business of people. <laughs> Lots okay. of interesting people in the car business. <laughs> yes. You know, but I go to a website and there's usually one page dedicated to people and that's it. Right. Yeah, but, no, it should be right. more. It should talk about the culture of the store. It should talk about, you know, what they're doing in the community and, you know, making sure their socials are present on their site. Look, look, I, I, I interact with a bunch of other brands, okay? And some of the brands that I probably follow right now and I've connected with, you know, um, Purple Mattress, okay? <laughs> like, you know, you go, their homepage is not dedicated to the product they sell. Their homepage is dedicated to telling their story. And who they are as a company, yeah. right? Like it's like I get it. You're a mattress There's company. So it's pretty obvious. It's yeah. pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. And listen, I think right now the environment has changed. And yes, does pricing factor into someone's decision? Of course they do. Of course it, it factors in. But I think that differentiating yourself from another store in your PMA is is the way that you you can do that through social media. I mean, you just can't. It's a, it's a clear differentiator when you see, you know, a team at a dealership that's embracing it and executing on it. There's a clear differentiator between what they're doing and generally the people who have the most reviews from customers yes. and who are active on social generally make more money. No, they're 100%. I, as a dealership, right, I think... There are some great dealers out there that have um, invested in their staff's social brands, mm -hmm. right? And then there are a lot of dealerships that are just actually totally terrified of it. I know. Well, because the, the fear goes both ways because there are some salespeople that are so scared to do it because they're afraid that they're going to get fired. And they're afraid that so, if they're active that they will so they're gonna lose their position. 100%. And I, and I, okay, I understand the fear, mm -hmm. all right? But I think the value of investing in my staff's social brand, right. all right, and connect and aligning my brand with their brand, all right, far outweighs, all right, right. what the downside of it is. Yeah. I mean, yes, this does take a little time. Yes, you got to have an open conversation about yeah. what you say and what you don't say. And, and maybe some of your staff's social brands is not in line with right. your own personal brand. And that's okay, too. I, Maybe, maybe not. I mean, actually, I got to be honest with you. I, um, if I was to go back right now and do the dealership all over again, all right, during the interview process would be me just trying to make sure that their social brands actually align with my social brand. And I actually probably wouldn't hire anybody that wasn't, you know, yeah. like I'm looking, for, I'm looking to kind of connect, connect those dots. But how do we get that fear? How do we get past that fear? I think the biggest way to get past the fear is number one, to get educated on on what it is that you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. And there's so many unbelievable partners in the industry that can help a dealership do that. And I would say number two is just execute. Yes. I mean, that's uh, content and execution are really the two things that I see that slow so many businesses back from becoming active because yes. they, and, and the know-how of doing it. How do we do it? Yeah. How do we get started? How do we do it? And it, oh, it always comes back to content and execution. 
Well, okay, let's go a little bit into content because I think um, as an industry, especially on the salesperson side, there's a bit of misconception around right. what content is actually worth putting out there. Look, pe right. people connect through content or see value in content for one of two reasons, either educational or entertainment value. Mm -hmm. It's either or. And in fact, or if you or edutainment in some cases, mm -hmm. you can combine them. That's mm -hmm. right. <laughs> That's right. That's All right. True. But it, but it's, it's got to be kind of one of one of those. I see way too many, let's call it self-serving content. Mm -hmm. All right. That really is not bringing anybody any type of education, not bringing any but any type of education right. or edutainment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like there's, so so let's talk about kind of the content strategy. Yeah, I think from a salesperson's perspective, they are the the subject matter expert and they are the product experts for the cars they are selling. Yes. And if someone is in the market to buy a specific car within the brand that they sell, their content, part of their content strategy should be around educating the customers about the cars like they would do in the showroom. Mm -hmm. And whether that's doing the walk-arounds or talking weekly about you know, specific um, technology updates um, or educating about you know, what happens in the service department and why you need to service your car at a dealership for that particular brand. Um, from the content perspective, there are so many aspects. You know, when I remember walking into the dealership in the morning, going to my office, I would walk through the shop and you see the cars going up on the lifts. Um, you see the service consultants, you know, interacting with customers, you know, talking about a day in the life. What's it like to work at a dealership? Yep. And, and what's that experience like? Customers who are coming in, who are purchasing cars, they're getting deliveries. Are you asking them for testimonials on video? Are you taking photos with them? Are you sharing their reviews and talking about what the customers are saying? Um, and, and what is the brand doing? Is the brand doing anything? What's happening within the community? I mean, there are so many, there are actually thousands of different types of content ideas. Yes. You could also focus on your customer objections, what they say about your specific brand. And you can create a content series just about what the customers are saying and, and do it either a video or you could do a photo and have you know, some text written out. But, but you do it for the customer, not for yourself. Right. Like, the key to a good content creator is they make content for their audience, not for themselves. Right, you have to serve your social following in a sense and you have to create this and you have to expect nothing in return but just know that if you can do it consistently over time it will result in business it just will yes. it, it happens it it's it's a fact but you have to show up and you have to start somewhere and i think that's the hardest part is really starting and just getting it going well it, it's just a matter of just pushing the button and going right but but you're going to be on the right track as long as you're doing it for your customer not for yourself right, right? I, I think that's key like I know we're getting towards the tail end of our conversation because I see we're getting towards we're getting close to the convention center again yeah. but but before I let you go I think we touched on some really cool topics today mm -hmm. we did. and I think there's still more to be kind of discussed about it so for everyone out there that's watching and listening and would maybe like to maybe continue some of this conversation yeah. what's the best way to connect with you the best way to connect with me is through my website which is melanieborden.com and all my socials are there Awesome. Pick your poison of which one you want. <laughs> Nani, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank to you, Jason. It's been a lot of fun. It has been, for sure. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason Harris. 
don't want to miss new content, be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.